How's it going? <laughs> Fixing to be a lot better, man. Welcome to Dazed and Confused 33 and a third. I'm Jarf, and I am here with my frequent collaborator, the host of Vibrant Visionaries, Heidi Bennett. Welcome, Heidi. Thanks, Jarf. It's so great to be here, and I'm so excited to talk with you today. I am excited, too. So today we're talking about track one. Track one starts with a creamsicle orange 1970 Pontiac GTO rolling in to an epic needle drop of Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion, and it ends with Benny saying Mitch is a dead man. He's fucking dead. And Don and Pink call shotgun. So we get a lot in this nine or so minutes. We get the introduction of a lot of iconic characters. And I was curious if there was a scene within this track that really spoke to you and why. Great question. So I was younger than any of these folks during this era, but I was close to Mitch's age. I mean, I remember all of this music from being uh, younger, like around nine-ish. So I would have been in Southern California and there was definitely, like, I remember the dudes and the the girls (laughs) with their (laughs) long hair and the puka shell necklaces and everything. So when we're strolling around here, when I was a little kid, I wasn't maybe hip to the, you know, the pot smoking and stuff. But as far as like the fashions and then the look of everything, it, it, it really rang true as super authentic. And I think what stood out to me as relatable as far as when you're a little bit older and you're actually talking with boys and such <laughs> <laughs> is um, when Pink and his girlfriend are like talking with each other a little bit and... He's like, oh, you know, she's she's talking about plans for later and he's noncommittal and she's just like, oh, okay, that's cool. All right. You know, just that feeling of like just always trying to play it cool. I think that's the number one thing I related to the most in rewatching this is when you're you're young and and trying to navigate meeting other people and, uh, you know, potential boyfriends or crushes or even like maybe other girls that I wanted to be friends with is that you're always trying to be freaking cool. (laughs) Absolutely. I remember a friend of mine in college, Ellen, said that when it comes to romance, it's all about couching yourself in terms of casualness (laughs) 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 yeah so i think that that is a great answer and you called out the look uh, the the puka shell necklace in particular that we think pink sporting and since this opening scene you see a ton of extras walking the halls of the high school. And and then, like I mentioned, we get the introduction of some of the mains. I wanted to give a shout out to the costume designer, Kathy Dover, because I thought it was really cool that they sourced a lot of the costumes locally from vintage stores in Austin. So you you don't get what you sometimes get in a period piece where the clothes are of the style of that era, 
but everything looks brand new because that's just not the reality for high school. Sometimes you have that favorite shirt and you just wear it to death. So I think that gives just a really nice aesthetic to the movie. Right. And uh, people now spend, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars to get that worn in rock and roll t-shirt look. Right. I remember my collection of, uh, I was really into uh, the police in junior high. They were kind of my, you know, boy crush slash loved the music. You know, the first band I really, 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 really fell for as a teenager. And I had so many police t-shirts and I just wore them until they were threads <laughs> she did a super super job on this costuming yeah nobody's wearing that crisp brand new t-shirt and nothing looks overly nostalgic retro either that some of the um you know so popular now to have things that are 80s and 90s styles retro looks in film and television and uh, sometimes that really stands out as being more of a symbol of that era rather than being a authentically of that era. Right. It's not what you, if you actually had a time machine and you could go to a random high school in that era, it's what you would see versus someone panning through all the fashion of the decade and picking out what are the most iconic things. And then everyone is wearing one of those things. Then it just, it, it looks like a costume party rather than an era. But before we move on past your band crush, the police, I got to know which one of the members did you have the crush on? <laughs> well, always being the original, I actually had crushes on all three of them for different reasons. Like I had to feel like you know, I I, I um, respect each one of them for their artistic integrity. And, you know, they're not just pretty faces. <laughs> but <laughs> Stuart Copeland was my my uh, crush. Stuart Copeland was the, the dreamy one because, you know, really probably because at the time I just didn't want it to be Sting because that was too obvious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Stuart, yeah, was a bit more of the intellectual, uh, you know, nerdy type of the trio I guess that's awesome so well speaking about high school Heidi if they made a movie about your high school days what would play on the soundtrack as everyone was rolling into the school this is such a great question and it really did full disclosure everybody Jarf sent me an email with this question so I got a little chance to think about it and I just went, you know, I went and, and um, Googled college alternative rock of 1982 because I um, would have graduated in 85 if I had um, finished high school. I am a high school dropout. <laughs> And I was, um, just to put a little bit more perspective on it, I was very much the, like Pink, actually, I, I moved seamlessly from friend group to friend group. I had friends in many of the different social groups, but I was a tried and true outsider, new wave punk weirdo. And I went through and, and looked and listened, and it was really actually very moving, to re-listen to this music because my best friend during that time, Penny, has since passed, mm. but she and I really experienced just absolutely loving 
music during that time and looking at what was available and what was popular. Now, I lived in Grass Valley, California, which is the foothills of California, kind of between Sacramento and Tahoe, if that helps give anybody a bit of context of where it is. And I had moved there from Southern California. So in Southern California, many of these artists in that college rock, new wave, alternative zone were popular and people knew about them. But up in Grass Valley, it was much more of a, you know, rural area and they were a little bit behind the times is what I'm saying. <laughs> so um, <laughs> to answer your question, I actually chose a song that, that was very popular, but was also very popular in the mainstream, you know, a hit and was a crossover hit, but was also something that I loved. And uh, that's Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash. Oh, that, that would be an amazing opening to the movie. And I like the thought that you put into the question, too, because it's something that struck me as I was reading the oral history of Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. That, that the director, Richard Linklater, he said that in choosing the music, he didn't want to make it retroactively cooler than what he thought high school kids of 1976 would have been listening to. So he's, he may have like in the time since experienced this gotten into a more obscure band, but he's thinking, well, realistically the kids, then they're listening to Aerosmith, they're listening to Deep Purple, they're listening to Foghat. And so he he wanted to stay true to that. And the same is true with fashion. Uh, we were talking about how great the aesthetic is. Something that you don't see in this is a punk aesthetic, which was absolutely happening, but not necessarily in Texas in 76. It was happening in New York and elsewhere. So I like that he really kept it that specific. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I agree that it's a lot of fun to just look back at, okay, what was the popular music the your junior year going into your senior year of high school and try to imagine like what would be your version of the scene? So I did it for myself. And there, there is a great, a lot of great choices for 1992. Uh, but I thought that what matched the themes of the movie the best is Set Adrift on Memory Bliss by PM Dawn. So I think that that would absolutely work for opening the movie. And if you haven't listened to that song in a minute, do yourself a favor and check it out. I can't wait to. I do remember PM Dawn, but I don't like... I remember what they look like, but I don't like the 
songs don't just pop into my head when I hear that name. But I looked at 1982, which would have been when I was a sophomore. I just kind of was like, oh, <laughs> let me just see what was happening in 82, because I remember so much just developing my style and sense of self, cultivating these bi-level haircuts. And I had this fake leather or fake uh, leopard skin coat that I wore everywhere. And it was like punk and new wave and preppy. And it was just a real mishmash. And some of it was more androgynous. Some of it was more masculine, more feminine, and just everywhere. And when I look at what was going on musically, it just makes so much sense. My friend Penny that I mentioned, she had an older brother that was really into music too. So he would turn us on to, you know, things that maybe we wouldn't necessarily be um, aware of. And then we also would go get New Music Express. So then we were getting that European, <laughs> you know, flair of like, what are they listening to in London? And then my aunt, she got me into like Oingo Boingo and, and uh, Devo. But I also loved Prince. And I mean, it just the list goes on and on. But there's just so much so much high quality music and yeah i liked aerosmith too i mean the song is undeniably cool it's undeniably cool and it was fun learning some of the inspiration for using this the idea that it should be what starts out the movie link later said came to him under the influence under the influence of drugs in the dentist office, but under the influence nevertheless. And so he admitted to that in the in the director's commentary. And then he shared in the oral history that he went to an Aerosmith concert in 77 and they opened their concert with Sweet Emotion. So I think it just, the way that it rumbles in, it just works perfectly. another question as we're meeting these different characters and you said that you could relate to pink in the way that he moves between the different circles so you talked about your friend what were some of the other circles that you were in in high school so i was in choir i was in drama so i did have the the drama kids and the the music kids in in my uh circle of friends I was also, yeah, I guess you call them like the the kids that were a little bit D&D, &D, a little bit uh, walking around with their camera and in photography class, uh, you know, the artsy kids. And for some reason, the guys that were the, the very cool, hip guys, the sport that was okay for them was soccer. Hmm. Like that was the cool sport. <laughs> And then there was a smoking section at our school, like a designated place where if your parents wrote or signed something, if you were a cigarette smoker, you could hang out at. Wow. And I was not one of those, but that smoking section, I could mingle with the people that were there. So that was a combination of like the stoner, rocker, new wave. Actually, there were several kids, and, and this is quite the norm now, but several kids that were out as gay or bisexual back then, which was, again, 
in the mid 80s. So and in a very rural, very uh, conservative area, there is an artsy scene and up in that area, Grass Valley and Nevada City specifically, like Nevada City has been featured in like Sunset Magazine and stuff as being like a very hip and cool artsy place. And it, and it was and there were creative and uh, liberal people and lots of post hippie <laughs> parents <laughs> and stuff to be found. It was an interesting and unusual place to live and yeah so I think I named all the different groups that I could think of all right all right all right so you moved amongst these different circles and I love that we're getting so much of the secret origin of Heidi. And I feel like <laughs> I'm getting a glimpse into why you're so cool now. But in Dazed and Confused, what character is the most or least like who you were when you were growing up? I've always related most to Mitch. And part of that is because of my age I just I relate to being that kid where maybe you're in the back of the car and you're not driving the narrative. You're just going along for the ride. (laughs) So I could really relate to him that way. But also he's, you know, a cute boy and a pretty girl at the same time. Nice. I, I think that's a great call out. And then in terms of Mitch, I don't know if you know this, but Mitch and pink are both representations of the director. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> so, whenever pink is talking to Mitch, that's him just imagining himself talking to his younger self. Hmm. Both of them are, are kind of avatars uh, for Linklater. Uh, so, so you've got that in common with them. <laughs> that's super interesting. And... I should say that a lot of the background that I'm drawing on as we're discussing this movie, getting from All Right, All Right, All Right, an oral history of Richard Linklater's Days and Confused by Melissa Mares. And I did have the opportunity to interview her. She really talked to almost everyone involved with this movie, cast, crew, even some of the people from Linklater's hometown that inspired the characters. And so it's really a goldmine. I definitely recommend checking out the book. And yeah, please check out that episode if you haven't already. Sweet. Of course, while we're recording, it's not out yet, but I really look forward to listening to it. Oh, thank you. So did you have any final thoughts on either this first track or the song Sweet Emotion? I do remember Aerosmith just being so prevalent, it just in the world. There's just certain bands that, like, you never remember a time when they weren't around. <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course, when they did that Run DMC collab, that was really exciting, too. Oh, man, that is amazing. I vastly prefer the Aerosmith slash Run DMC Walk This Way to... The, the just Aerosmith walk this way. How about yourself? I never really thought about it. Luckily, we don't need to choose. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> See, this is why you this is why you don't hate anything. You t- just all love just why not both dot gif. 
this is the wisdom that you gain when you can move between different social groups and see their different perspectives. It's something that my mom really instilled in me as a child. Nice, nice. Well, I think that that's a great place to wrap up. So where can listeners find you on social media and is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, thanks. So you can find me at HeidiBennett.com. That's where you can find out what I'm doing professionally. And then for the podcast, it's VibrantVisionaries.com, where I speak with all sorts of creative professionals, filmmakers, musicians, comedians, and really open up my cabinet of curiosities, talk about how we can infuse compassion and mindfulness into our creative practice to help us even be more creative. And by the time this episode comes out, I will have launched my new YouTube channel, which is Vibrant Visionaries Network. So search Vibrant Visionaries Network on YouTube. I'm going to be doing tutorials on cooking all sorts of different interesting vibrant things in the kitchen that'll be super easy and accessible for most. And uh, there'll be some podcast related stuff in there too. And all the people I love, all the things I'm interested in. And so get to know me over there at Vibrant Visionaries Network on YouTube. I'm so excited for that project. And I love Vibrant Visionaries. I have been introduced to a lot of cool people through listening to your podcast. So thank you for that. And thank you for being a guest on Days and Confused 33 and a third. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I always love collaborating with you, Jarf. And it was really, really special to be on this episode. Not to worry, there's a new fiesta in the making. Join us at the Moon Tower, our Facebook listeners group. Until next time, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.